Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Parklawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Parklawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Uh, today, I want to continue the, the, the sermon that we started on last week, which is entitled, Go Get It. Can everybody say that? Go get it. Go get it. This is part two, and it's interesting. Uh, I knew something was happening in the way of dramatization, but I did not know exactly what was happening. And so it's very interesting uh, how these, these two elements of the service are going to flow together on this morning. I encourage you all, if you recall, if you were here last week, to invite a woman that uh, is in your family, someone who may not be a member here, but uh, a loved one, because I believe this message is going to be very uh, inspirational and helpful uh, to women in particular. Amen. Amen. Now, I, I want to issue as a disclaimer, men, <clears throat> I want to issue a disclaimer. There will be times during the course of this message where you may feel like I'm ranting about us. But the fact is, I am, but it's in love. It's in love. I just, I just need to say that because I don't want you to not hear the word because of what I'm saying but hear the heart and the intention behind what's being said. I believe God is doing a work in our hearts, and at the close of the service, we will have a powerful time of prayer. Amen? If you would, please go with me in the scripture to Joshua chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Joshua chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. We've been in this series called The Crossover. This began in January. Bishop led it off. I uh, believe that may have been January 5th or so, but it was the first Sunday in January. Uh, and today we bring the series to a close. Uh, and so you've noticed consistently we've referenced the book of Joshua uh, throughout uh, each, each Sunday. Each speaker uh, referenced uh, some notion of the crossover and what it means uh, to move forward in the plan of God. And so today will be no different, but I'm going to ask you to join me in reading in Joshua 17, verses 1 through 6, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, The next allotment of land was given to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the descendants of Joseph's older son, Machir, the first, firstborn son of Manasseh, was the father, father of Gilead. Because his descendants were experienced soldiers, the regions of Gilead and Bashan on the east side of the Jordan had already been given to them. So the allotment on the west... The allotment on the west side of the Jordan was for the remaining families within the clans of the tribe of Manasseh. 
Abizer, Helic, Azrael, Shechem, Hefer, and Shemida. These clans represent the male descendants of Manasseh, son of Joseph. However, Zelophehad, a descendant of Hefer, son of Gilead, son of Machir, son of Manasseh, had no sons. He had only daughters whose names were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terzah. These women came to Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the Israelite leaders and said, The Lord commanded Moses to give us a grant of land along with the men of our tribe. So Joshua gave them a grant of land along with their uncles, as the Lord had commanded. As a result, Manasseh's total allocation came to ten parcels of land in addition to the land of Gilead and Bashan across the Jordan River because the female descendants of Manasseh received a grant of land along with the male descendants, the land of Gilead. I didn't get that other part. Thank you. The land of Gilead was given to the rest of the male descendants of Manasseh. Amen. Can we bow our heads for a quick word of prayer? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come once again into the sanctuary to worship together. We thank you, Lord, for your word even now. We thank you that your word is, is truth, is sound, and it gives us a firm foundation. We thank you, God, that this word is anointed. And I pray, Lord, that you give me the strength to preach it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to start today with a quote from Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Many of you will recognize that name as one of the key faith leaders uh, in the country of South Africa, particularly during the apartheid regime. He says this, once you have women liberated, it's amazing how many other problems get resolved. I'll read that again. Once you have women liberated, it's amazing how many other problems get resolved. You see, last week we started talking about going to get what God has for you. And sometimes that can be a bit misconstrued to refer to material things. And I tried to lay, lay out a, a case that the blessings of God are not ours by luck. Blessings of God are, are ours because he loves us and, and by faith because we are uh, uh, heirs and joint heirs with Christ. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the seed through whom those Abrahamic covenant blessings transfer and they flow. So because we are in Christ Jesus, the Lord, we have access to those same promises, those same covenant blessings that Abraham uh, received. And I, I, I tried to make the case that because God loves us and he, he chose us in Christ to be adopted into his family, we now have uh, uh, unfettered access to these promises and to these blessings. And today, I want to make the case that women in particular, I believe, have to understand this particular truth and message and reality. Because I believe that Archbishop Desmond Tutu is exactly right. When women get liberated, it's going to be that much more amazing how many problems get resolved. So much uh, uh, of ridicule is made about women being in charge of things. I've heard things growing up in my life, you know, uh, uh, you know, don't let a woman push the button. They're talking about government. They're talking about diplomacy. They're talking about warfare and these types of things. There's, there's a bit of a slight against women being in positions of power and being in certain positions of, of influence. 
And I believe that part of the reason why the world is not further in its civilization and in its development is because women for too long have been oppressed. I want to show you a, a, a picture. You see, this is the plight of women of all nationalities, right? It doesn't matter if it's a woman of color or not. Women, the world over, have been fighting an uphill battle for generations. Systematically been denied access to levels of prosperity that they are due. There's things called patriarchy and things called sexism and objectification, and we hear it in the media, we hear it in songs. There's an artist that uh, many of you know, his name, uh, full name is Robert Kelly. We know about R. Kelly and so forth, but he wrote a song, said, you remind me of my G. Objectification, male domination. And because that women have come of age and have come through family lines and have come through various lineages the world over in an oppressive system, there's been things denied them that I believe God has already and always intended for them to have. In school, teachers give more time and attention uh, in math and the sciences to boys than girls. In middle and high school, girls are more likely than boys to be discouraged from playing sports and being a part of different clubs like debate, math, and science. Discrimination in wages is the number one issue that women face in the modern workplace. Now that could be a debatable topic, but in some, different, in some sources, this is what is articulated. Women in professional specialty occupations were found to earn just 72.7% of what men in the same position earn. Women make 70 cent, 77 cents on the dollar compared to a man who has the same job title, education, and experience. Women comprise 46% of the total workforce population. 59% of women who are working today are making less than $8 per hour for their contributions. This is as of 2018. 40% of businesses around the world don't have a woman in senior levels of management. In 19, sorry, 99% of jobs that are available to men and women, women will not earn as much as a man will. As I'm reading these statistics, keep your eye on this particular image here. Minority women make just 52 cents on the dollar compared to white men. In many countries, women still cannot purchase property. Some countries, they are not allowed to drive, still don't have the right to vote, and in some cases, they cannot wear what they want to wear. Now, I have a few credentials, but I, I don't necessarily think I'm the smartest man in the world, but based on all the statistics that I just read, it seems to me that this picture here is worth a thousand words. And it seems to me that there is a world system that has, that has for generations kept women oppressed. And unfortunately, the oppressors in these particular situations have been men. I expect it to be quiet for a good portion today because this is a sobering reality. This is something that men have tolerated for way too long, for way too long. And we could be very particular and talk about the origins of this nation, how the only ones that were regarded as citizens were landowning white males, and we could talk about uh, the racist aspect of things, and we could talk about class, but I want to deal with men in general. These things could not persist and could not continue to be true if men were not okay with it.
These things could not endure and have generations of girls, nieces, and granddaughters come of age and have to face these same ceilings. I believe that God wants to bust these ceilings wide open. And I believe that the promises of God have no particular uh, 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 designation when it comes to gender. He created them male and female. He created all of us to receive his bounty and his abundance. And I've got good news today that the systems of this world don't cancel out the promises that God has made to women. <laughs> see, I'm thoroughly convinced that God is a girl dad. You remember see, seeing those pictures on social media? God is a girl dad, and he will ensure that his daughters are taken care of. I believe that the generosity of God is turned towards women who know him and believe him for more. And so, ladies, if you hear me in the sanctuary, I'm saying to you today, go get it. Now, men, I want to say this. If you have daughters or granddaughters or nieces, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Okay, okay. So I'm speaking from a father's heart today. So position yourself to hear as a dad, as a grandfather, as an uncle, as a brother, as a son. At some point, we have to recognize that if we don't get involved in the fight to make things better for women, then it will never get better. Generation after generation, women have achieved against all odds. And I have to give you the credit that you do. I was raised by a strong black woman. So I know what the benefit is when women get a level of freedom. You are looking at me right now because a black woman said, I'm not going to allow the statistics about single family homes to keep me down. Through trials and toils and dangers and snares, women have still prevailed. When there was no blueprint, women became pioneers and forerunners. Hallelujah. Intrepid women, they blazed trails and shined brilliantly. Women like Madam C.J. Walker, and there's going to be a movie I heard coming out about her pretty soon, became the first uh, self-made millionaire uh, amongst women, and uh, particularly African-American women. Women like Ida B. Wells. Barnett, a journalist and activist who many don't know, 71 years before Rosa Parks sat down, Ida B. Wells refused to get up out of her seat on a Memphis, Tennessee train car that was designated only for women. They told her, you have to leave this particular car and go to the car that's for black people. And she said, no, I'm not getting up. Mary Jane Patterson was the first black woman in the U.S. to graduate from college. Lorraine Hansberry was the first black woman to write a Broadway play. Shirley Chisholm was the first black woman elected to Congress and later on went to run for president in 1972. Charlotte E. Ray was the first black woman to graduate from law school, Howard Law School that is, and the third woman of any race in the United States to do so. Rebecca Lee Crumpler was the first black, first black woman physician in the United States. And I could go on and on, and I could say names that are more contemporary, like Misty Copeland and Gabby Douglas and Simone Manuel, and, and go back to the 80s and talk about Flojo, and we could talk about the Williams sisters and Althea Gibson, and the list goes on and on. Bessie Coleman, hallelujah. How, how many do I have to name to demonstrate the, the intrepid nature that women have brought to bear for generation after generation after generation. And every ethnicity can boast its list of women who have prevailed against all odds. 
We can go to the scriptures and talk about women in the Bible who prevailed, who did extraordinary things, who said, you know what, I'm not going to allow the dictates of men to cause me to not serve the God that I love. We could talk about the Hebrew midwives who defied the evil edict of an obsessed evil Egyptian king and saved the male Hebrew babies. As a result of their defiance in the face of danger, Moses was born, and we know the rest of the story. I could talk about Deborah, who stood up for her people in the midst of war. And when the call of duty went out to a reluctant man, she partnered with him and said, I'll go with you and lead our people to victory. We could talk about J.L., who, who, who Sisera thought he was safe in her house. But how many know Sisera was in the hands of a woman? She took a hammer and she took a nail and she took that joker out. We could talk about Naaman, who was the commander of the Aramean army. In part, he owes his healing from leprosy to a little girl. Imagine that, a little girl who saw his condition and told his wife, hey, there's a prophet in Samaria through whom my, my master can be healed. Huldah was a prophetess, giving insight and wisdom to the officials from King Josiah's court. Her words fueled the subsequent religious reforms that took place in Judah. Many of us know the story of Esther, who endured the rigors of human trafficking and emerged as a candidate for martyrdom. She put her life on the line for the survival of her people. She said, if I perish, I perish, but I've got to go and seek the king's favor. How about Mary, a young girl from a little podunk town, and she despised the shame of being from this meager town called Nazareth, and she believed the word of, of the Lord. She didn't understand everything right away, but she believed, and her womb became the portal to salvation for the entire world. Women across generations have done extraordinary things. Women, the world will not change for the better if you don't come into the fullness of all that your heavenly father has for you. So I repeat myself, go get it. Somebody say, go get it. Somebody say, go get it. Now, what's interesting that we, we start with this text, Joshua 17, 1 through 6, because here we, we see that the man of God, Joshua, is carrying out instructions that were given to him by Moses. And what some people may not realize is that although the women came to Joshua, previously they had gone to Moses. In the book of Numbers, the, Bible's, the Bible lets us know uh, that, that, that Moses was, uh, he had given out instructions. He was, the Lord had given him instructions to parcel out the land in the promised land, right? This is before they actually entered in and actually took possession and had all of those battles. Uh, but the Lord was given instructions. He actually commissioned a new census to be taking place. Why? Because the Bible lets us know that the Lord was, he, and I'm going to put it in contemporary terms, he was tired of all them unbelieving, stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious folks who wouldn't believe him, and they did not make it out of the wilderness, only Joshua and Caleb. And so the Lord commissioned a new census to be taken of the uh, men who were warriors of, of the troops, and each tribe had to share their, their, their number of troops. 
and, and, and the, the, the instruction was that the land should be given out according to the size of the tribe. Hence, the larger the tribe, the larger the parcel of land. The smaller the tribe, the smaller the parcel of land. So this is the context in which we arrive today in the text. And as this is taking place, there were five women. There was a group of women who, who were watching all these things go around. In other words, they watched all the male descendants get what was theirs. They watched all the male descendants receive their inheritance. Men, do you realize it's a whole bunch of women watching us get things that are due us, so we say? There's a lot of women watching men with credentials get certain jobs and get certain benefits and get access to certain packages, and they looking around and saying, hey, I got the same credentials. What about me? I've been here longer. What about me? And so we can juxtapose the two time frames, contemporary as well as historical. And so while Moses is giving out these instructions, these, these women come forth and they say, hey, hey, we have a petition, Moses. And they came forth and they said, look, our father passed away. He, he passed away. Uh, and, 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 and even though he passed away and we don't have any brothers we believe that we should be given access to the land that was due our father. And the Bible says that the Lord, that, that Moses actually turned to the Lord. He, he, he heard their request and then he prayed about it. I'll say it again. Moses heard what the women said and then he went to the Lord. And the Bible says that the Lord told Moses that Moses, the claim, the petition of the women is legitimate. He said, Moses, they're right. So give them the land that was due to their father. And I love God because he always blows our mind. He always takes it a step further. He said, and as a matter of fact, make it a law that if a man does not have any sons, the land that they, were, that they would have gotten should go to the daughters. Somebody say, go get it. They petitioned Moses. Now, just think about this. Imagine how they, might, how they must have felt as Moses is giving out these instructions to all these male descendants. Imagine the shame, perhaps, or the sense of disconnection that they may have felt. Why not us? What about us? Imagine the courage that it required on their part to come forth in a male-dominated patrilineal system by the laws of inheritance amongst the people of Israel the sons were the only ones that got an inheritance. Imagine the courage that it took for them to speak up and to lift their voice in this male-dominated place of authority. But I love their intrepid nature. I love their bravery because despite them being different, despite it not being customary, despite it possibly being out of order or not in protocol, they still raised their hand. They still made it known that, hey, we have an inheritance, we believe, from our Father. This reminds me of Philippians 4, 6. The Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. Paul admonishes the church at Philippi, don't worry about a thing. Instead, make your request known unto God by prayer, with thanksgiving. Continue to make these requests known. We don't have to be worried. We don't have to be overcome with discouragement. We don't have to be overcome with anxiety. If we know what the Word has said, if we know what God has said in His promises, all we have to do is say, Lord, I'm standing on Your Word. It's not because of what my opinion is. It's not because of what I studied in school. But Your Word says, this belongs to me. Your Word says, 
peace is mine if I keep my mind stayed upon you. Your word says that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Your word says if I confess with my mouth and if I believe in my heart, I can be saved. It's your word. It's your word. It's your word. They weren't ashamed, and they didn't allow the, the patterns of this patrilineal system to restrict their voice. They said, give us the property along with the rest of our relatives. And it's a very powerful, it's a very powerful story, and it's a very powerful example of not being afraid to be first. Women, you coming into the full inheritance that God has for you just might require you to be the first one. Come on, you might have to be the first one in your family to break the cycle. You might have to be the first one in your company or organization to apply for that position. You might have to be somebody that's a pioneer and not a follower. You just might have to do something different. I love this story because whether I'm reading about Moses or whether I'm reading about Joshua, what this tells me is that there are no limits to what our God can do. We serve a big God who does big things. He gives big blessings because he has big love to give, a big heart that can't miss. When God gets involved, women, you will get your inheritance. <laughs> When God gets involved, you will come into your promises. Now, I love this because they didn't just go to any man, but they went to a man of God. See, I think that's part of our problem, ladies, that some of us are going to the wrong men. We're, we're, we're going to the wrong man. We need to go. If we're going to go to anybody to petition for help, you need to go to a man of God, a man who has a relationship with God. Why? Because Moses wasn't afraid to be different. After all, he knew what it was like to be different. He knew what it was like to be a trailblazer. He knew what it was like to get a word from God that does not make any sense. He didn't rely on history or tradition. He remained neutral, and he let the Lord decide. Man, we got to let the Lord decide some things. It's too much of what we think. It's too much of our machismo and bravado and our masculinity that's hyper getting in the way. We need to take our concerns and affairs to the Lord and let him decide. And so what Joshua says, look, he, he gave them the grant of land right away because it wasn't up to his opinion. It wasn't up to what he thought was right. He knew what the Lord had told Moses, and he followed suit. So if you're going to go to anybody, make sure they have a word. Find out what God is saying about your life, your purpose, your destiny, and then go after that. Now, the other thing that I see in this scripture, you all, is this. When men change, things get better for women. I'll say that again. Now, mind you, I'm all male standing right here. So this, this has been eating me up for the past week. When men change, things get better for women. Watch this. I told you the laws of inheritance were established. The inheritance went to sons. Moses and Joshua had to dare to do something different. In other words, they had to get out there with the women and be subject to ridicule. Now, keep this in mind. Moses and Aaron had already dealt with the rebellion. They had already dealt with people questioning their leadership. So it also took Moses a whole lot of courage to say, hey, I'm going to stand with these women. I'm going to side with these women and see what the Lord says. 
Trafficking won't stop unless men get involved. Workplace discrimination won't stop until we start to stand with women. When we see something wrong, we got to say something, men. Come on. Assault, sexual assault in the workplace won't stop as long as we keep laughing at the jokes. Oh, yeah, I said that. As long as we keep laughing at the jokes and as long as we keep looking, it won't change. Because every time we are silent, it cosigns another man's idiocy, his barbarism, looking at women like they're a piece of meat. I'm talking to men, and I'm talking to myself as well, because I have to be a part of the change. I got a seven-year-old daughter that I'm looking at, and I want her to come into her full inheritance. I need her to know that phenomenal woman she is. I need her to know that she can rise and rise and rise above all these sweltering tides. But I can't, I, can't, I can't encourage her and then get out the way. I have to stand right by her. I have to stand right by my wife. I have to be a participant in the change. Now, why do I speak so emphatically about this? Because my wife, my marriage would have crumbled if I didn't change. So I know what I'm talking. You cannot tell me a thing about what I'm saying because I know. If I didn't change, my marriage would have failed, y'all. Do you hear what I'm saying? I had to change. I had to change. I had to change. And it was painful. I didn't like it. It beat my flesh up. You know why? Because at the end of the day, it wasn't about what I wanted. I had to let the Lord decide. It, it, it wasn't about my opinion. I had to obey God. Now watch this, man. As long as I tried to justify my hard-heartedness, as long as I tried to justify my silent treatment, as long as I tried to justify my argumentation, guess what? My marriage was staying down. But as soon as I got out the way, as soon as I said, Lord, I will obey your word, guess what? We turned that corner and we are here today. So I'm not, I'm not standing here like a demagogue. I, I'm not standing here like somebody just ranting and raving like I read some statistics in a book. I'm saying, I'm standing here and I'm saying this because I know it for myself. When men change, the family will change. Come on, when men stand up, the boys will sit down. We got boys that started out their life playing with toys, playing with toy cars. And guess what? We got boys out here playing with toy, toy cars. The only problem is they are real cars and people are getting killed because boys want to play with cars on the street, run stop signs and run red lights. They playing with cars. They haven't grown up. Immaturity is killing our community. When men change, things will get better. Let me tell you what the Lord told me. He said, you pamper, groom, and cherish yourself. You always make sure you're all right. Make sure she's all right. He said, cherish her. Nurture and nourish her. He said, when you take care of your wife and demonstrate your love and commitment, it nourishes her. It strengthens her bones. 
nourish your wife. Now, this is in the midst, Sister Teresa, of me complaining about my wife. I'm going to God like, God, you see what's going on, right? God, yo, did you hear what she just said? Watch this, man. This is what the Lord said. Your kind words and kind actions be- become the nutrients that strengthen her and provide sustenance. Enlivening her whole being, her entire anatomy, natural and spiritual. You see, I didn't realize, man, that the very thing I was complaining about my wife, God was saying, you are supposed to be a, a, tr- a contributor to her wholeness. I couldn't see that, though. Why? Because I was so focused on me. And the reason that discrimination in the workplace continues to happen and the reason that trafficking continues to happen is because men is only focused on them. We only focused on us. We're not really focused upon who is hurting. And as a husband, too many times we draw a line in the sand, right? We, we say, you know what? This is my position and I'm not budging. Not realizing that God is saying all the time, you got the change, bro. And how about this? Don't worry about what she doing. You do what I said. Now, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> Many wives are not well. This is what he said. Because their husbands are not nourishing them. Men derive their sustenance from the Lord and, apart, and in parts share with their wives. Women know that part of their nourishment, sustenance is supposed to come through relationship with the husband. So their quest in dating is really a quest for nourishment for their soul. That's why some often get entangled because the smooth words of cons deceive them into believing they will be nourished. So they give themselves away to men who abuse them. It's like pouring liquids on, on an electrical circuit. It gets all messed up. It only takes one bad relationship, one destruction of circuit connection, and that woman is tainted for life. Unless Jesus makes her whole. A good man won't do it. That's an external fix. Just as much as a new paint job and interior makeover won't address engine concerns, it will look good, but the car still won't start a move. Hence, a woman malnourished will never move into her full destiny. Jesus has to make them whole. This is what he told me while I was mad. Now watch this. There was a, a BW3's commercial that, that kind of showed like somebody spilled some soda on this power grid and all the lights in the city went out. And the Lord showed me something there. A woman's heart is her power grid. If it's damaged, then everything goes out. A healed woman will light up a city with her glory and the glory of God bringing blessing to multitudes. A godly man will lead her to the true source. Ungodly men claim to be the source. Unsuspecting women buy into that, and then their lives become wrecked. The Lord showed me this. He, he, he told me, he, he took me back to Adam and Eve. And this is what he said. Think about this. Remember, the rib was removed from Adam, and the Lord formed Eve. That's what the Bible says. Here's what God said to me. That which is inside of a husband gives life to his wife. Part of the problem is that too many women have put their hope in man. Your inheritance is not coming from a man. <laughs> right? 
the daughters of Zelophehad, they didn't receive their request because they went to Moses. They received their request because the Lord had said. Without the word of the Lord, I don't believe the request would have been granted. Why? Because Moses would have defaulted to the pattern of interaction that was already established. But when God speaks, a true man of God is going to listen. I had to realize, people of God, that the thing that my wife needed was, in, was inside of me. The thing that was going to help to bring life to her dreams and her aspirations was in me all the time. That which is inside of you, husbands, is supposed to give life to your wife. Now I want to move for sake of time. I love this text because uh, the Bible says that there were five daughters. And incidentally, the number five is a number of grace. And what that helps us to understand is the obtainment of our inheritance, whether male or female, but in this particular case, on women's behalf, the obtainment of your inheritance is not going to come through works. It's going to come by grace. They didn't riot. Come on. And you know, we get, the, uh, we get the jokes told about women and how the, the neck gets to rolling, right, and that finger go up and, you know, these different type of attitudinal things. They didn't do any of that. They went on the word of God. And when you go on the word of God, you're going in grace. Why? Because the word is a person and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1 that he emerged full of grace and truth. So when you go with the word of God, you cannot lose. Hallelujah. Saved or unsaved today, you need to know that God has a word of destiny over your life. You need to know that there is purpose for your life. You need to know that God has plans for your life, and you cannot allow what you see in society to determine for you what's possible. Just because you don't see it does not mean that it's not possible. It might be that, that, that the Lord is waiting on you. I just enumerated several women who were the first to do things in their respective fields. Stop waiting on somebody else. Stop saying I'm too young. Stop saying my time has passed. Stop saying I'm not light enough or I'm not, I'm not thin enough. Stop with all these earthly excuses. Get a hold to what God has said about your life and believe it. Jesus will show up when you least expect it. The Bible says... That Jesus was already at the well before the Samaritan woman showed up. So what that lets us know, women, is that grace is already waiting on you. Before you even know to go after the promises of God, grace is there waiting for you. Before you even decide that I'm going to go get what's mine, there's a word already out there for you. Jesus was waiting for her, and he said, if you knew the gift that was in front of you. Women, if you only knew the promise that God had for you, hallelujah, you wouldn't wait for it. You wouldn't beg for it. You would go get it. Somebody say, go get it. You wonder why women have faced so much drama and trauma generation after generation. Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. I believe it's because, <laughs> I believe it's because of what God said in Genesis 3, 15. He said this to the serpent. He said, from now on, you and the woman will be enemies. We missed that. How could patriarchy exist for so long? How could sexism not be eradicated by now? From now on, you and the women, woman 
will be enemies. From now on, there will be enmity between the two of you. But he didn't stop there. He said, her seed is going to bruise your head. And you shall bruise the heel, the body. Women, I believe that the devil hates you. The devil works through corrupt institutions. The devil works through wicked men. And some women in particular, don't be baffled or beguiled by feminism, okay? That's the, that's, that's the attempt to secure the promises that God has for you by natural means. It's only going to come by grace. It's only going to come by grace. Not because you yell, I am woman, hear me roar. It's not going to happen because of that. It's going to come by grace. The devil does not like you. The devil cannot stand you. Why? Because every time he sees a woman, he's reminded of his defeat. Every time he looks at a woman, he's reminded that your womb is a weapon of mass destruction for him and his kingdom. Why? Because the savior of the world who bruised his authority came through the womb of a woman. So every little girl that's born, why you think they killed the girls in China? Why you think they have all these assaults on girls in India with trafficking? Because he knows that when women take their full place in the plan of God, when women come into their full inheritance and they obtain their promises, it's some stuff, or <coughs> there's some stuff in his kingdom that's going to be wrecked. It's going to be wrecked. The same vessel that he tricked in order to subvert the plan of God is the same vessel that God used to solidify his eternal plan. You can't stop God. You can't be God. What was he thinking? Oh, I know he wasn't thinking. He was in his flesh. He wasn't thinking. He only knew what he saw, and therefore his perspective was limited. But God has an eternal plan. God already saw the end from the beginning. He is Alpha, and he is Omega. He is the first and the last. Women, don't be don't be dismayed by what you're going through right now. Don't be dismayed by any glass ceilings or any other thing that you see that could get in your way. If God before you, I said, if God before you, no, 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 I don't think you heard me. If God before you, no, no, I don't think you heard me. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? He's bigger. He's bigger. He is bigger than the world against you. He is stronger than the world against you. He is wiser than the world against you. There is no law that can stop the plan of God for your life. There is no policy that can stop the plan of God for your life. There are no guidelines. There are no workplace rules that can stop the plan that God has for your life. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. So all you have to do is make up in your mind, like those five girls, those five daughters of Zelophehad, that I'm going to go get what is mine. Come on, somebody say, go get it, go get it, go get it, go get it. Come on, say, go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkland Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.